You are Locked On Texans, your daily Houston Texans podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. In today's show, the Texans lost two key players to IR. One of them looks to be done for this season. We'll tell you who and why in just a bit. The Texans also have a new offensive tackle on their 53-man roster. And we go behind the lines with Matt Dainley, who covers the Indianapolis Colts for Stampede Blue and the Colts cast. Welcome aboard, everybody. I'm Robert Land from the Houston Sports Talk Podcast, along with Brian Patterson from FansideIt'sHouseOfHouston.com. Thanks for diving into Locked On Texans, your best daily source of Texans news, views, and interviews. Well, if you haven't heard yet, Bruce Ellington was placed on IR with that hamstring injury he suffered in the Giants game. He might be able to come back, but inside linebacker Dylan Cole is being placed on the IR with a dislocated wrist. His season is over. The injury occurred during the Giants game. You might have missed it. That means we're going to see more of Brian Peters and Peter Kalambai. I would imagine Zach Cunningham needs to get better. His pro football focus grade Sunday was a miserable 27.7. Dylan Cole will also be missed on special teams. He'll be replaced on the 53 by offensive tackle David Sharp, for one, who was a 2017 fourth-round pick by the Raiders. Sharp was on the Texans' practice squad, an offensive tackle that may or may not see some action. The Texans also signed former Aggie outside linebacker Deshaun Hall to the active roster. Hall was a third-round pick by the Panthers in 2017, played one game before he was put on the IR last year, didn't make it out of Panthers camp this year. And before I bring in Matt to talk about the Colts, a couple of scary numbers for you among NFL offensive tackles with at least 100 snaps through the first three games. The Texans starting tackles 57th and 61st overall, according to Pro Football Focus. Uh, Tuesday morning, I heard Super Bowl champ offensive line coach Larry Zerline on radio. The former coach said Julian Davenport's distributing his weight like a left tackle instead of a right tackle, and that's been one of his huge issues. Coach Sirline indicated he still needs to learn how to be a right tackle. Does that sound something like you've heard us say before? Yeah, I think so. Uh, more PFF numbers. Nick Martin, 23rd-ranked center among those who've taken at least 100 snaps. Not good at all. On a positive note, J.J. Watt ranked second in the NFL. Second in the NFL among qualified edge rushers this season. And that's not too bad. Now on the line with us is friend of the show, Matt Dainley, who covers the Indianapolis Colts, one and two on the season. Good to have you back, Matt. Robert, Brian, what's going on, fellas? Hey, doing all right. It's it's good to talk to you. It's been a little while, but hey, I'm ready. How are you feeling about the Colts to start the season? Uh, I was feeling better until last week. I was feeling really good about them. Um, and, and, and I think I'm still really high on their defense. Uh, it was one of the things that I think I got a lot of, I didn't want to say flack, but I got a lot of, you know, kind of pushed back uh, from people who were kind of, you know, I was excited about what they had on defense. A lot of people were basically saying they had a lot of work just to be bad uh, when it was in training camp. And they just were, it was just a completely different approach to this defense. And maybe that's what caught my eye and got me a little bit, you know, was pulling on my heartstrings a little bit because of it. You see the speed. Uh, you, you know that this defense is going to be predicated on trying to turn over the ball, and it, and they've and they've done that largely. So I'm excited about the defense. The offense is, you know, I'm excited where it can go. I'm not all about being excited about where it's currently at. There is just it's just not what we've seen, and maybe that's what it is. Maybe it's change and change 
you know, is hard at first and then it smooths itself out. Maybe I'm kind of stuck in the transition. So I don't know. I'm not, I mean, I, coming into the season, I think I felt like Andrew Luck was a clear, uh, a, a clear power to get the Colts to 500 just with him being in the lineup. And then now we kind of see some of the same issues that the offense had last year with uh, Jacoby Brissett, not scoring in the fourth quarter, not doing very well in the red zone, um, not pushing the ball downfield with regularity and, and efficiency. And so uh, th- there's a lot of questions, but there's a, also, I think, intrinsically a, a lot of answers between Andrew Luck and Frank Reich that these guys can work it out. That's what I was going to ask you, Frank Reich, early impressions. What do you think? And that's kind of where I've been, you know, I've, I've been arguing with myself almost. You know, I'm so disappointed in the way that they approached the game, uh, especially late in the game. Uh, uh, this past week against the Eagles. But at the same time, I have the trust in Reich. And he's definitely a better play caller. He's definitely a more, um, you know, a creative play caller than the Colts have had in a long time. So I, I like the way, he, I love the way he coaches this team. Let me put it that way first. Take this play calling and offensive duties aside, just his coaching as the head coach. I really like what we've seen so far. We definitely see a different approach to the training camp issues. Everything about him is very, we're going to make sure you guys are holding yourselves accountable. We're going to hold you accountable and you better play well because if you don't, somebody's going to take your spot and, and it's very upfront and, and honest, but there's also very, uh, a very a natural ease in giving him the respect that you feel like a head coach in the NFL deserves. And I, I other than that, I think that he's going to, he's, definitely a creative enough to, to kind of smooth out what they've got issues with right now. Cause like in here in Robert, you guys might be able to understand this. The Colts have only allowed five sacks all year, but the, but Andrew Luck's been hit 19 times. However you want to, you know, push this to one category or the other, the Colts aren't pushing the ball downfield. He's still getting hit. Not as many sacks. Is it worth it to, you know, kind of, maybe switch things up just a little bit. Is it worth to take a few extra sacks for a few extra touchdowns? You know what I'm saying? I'm kind of on, I'm on the fence of this to seeing where's the middle ground between check down, check down, uh, you know, dink and dunk and trying to open it up a little bit versus taking the health of, of luck. And how do you uh, kind of quantify the hits versus sacks type deal. You know what I'm saying? And and so I've, I've kind of been going back and forth with that, trying to figure out really where I stand myself on it. But largely, it, it, I just hope that this uh, the way that the offense has started the season can kind of regulate itself and, and kind of become more of a, an efficiency monster as opposed to one extreme or the other. Yeah, I know Brian and I once want to ask you about Andrew Luck in, in a bit, but I, I, just quickly, I got to tell everybody about – Our Locked On Fantasy shows, Locked On Fantasy Football 24-7, the latest news, waiver suggestions, and injury news. We've also got Locked On Fantasy Football loaded with amazing expert guests every day. Monday, Tom Kestenich. Tuesdays, Eric Edholm. Wednesdays, Jeff Ratliff and Tyler Lechner. Check those out. Also, uh, the Colts favored by two over the Texans for this game. If you think you can make some money off of this one, and you like to put a few bucks on the game, you need to go to mybookie.ag. Remember who you're betting on. It's just as important as who you're betting with. They've been in the business for years. They've got great reviews. Their mobile site is easy to use. I would only recommend a service that's been good to me. That's why I'm urging you to make your way 
to my bookie. They have in-game live betting over-unders on fantasy points scored and the most rewarding player perks in the biz. My bookie is slammed with new betters and wants to give everyone the best service possible. If you're willing to deposit after 6 p.m. Central, they'll give you an additional $25 free play on deposits over $100. Join now and my bookie will match your deposit dollar for dollar. The promo code to use is locked on to activate the offer. Visit my bookie online today. Don't forget to use the promo code locked on when creating your account to claim up to $1,000 in free play. And if you wait till 6 p.m., you get an extra $25 free play by using promo code locked on 25. Go ahead and wait till after dark. Take the extra money. My bookie, you win or you play, you win, you get paid. All right, I got to ask you about Andrew Luck, of course, and and you talked a little bit about him. I saw he's completed about 68% so far on the year, five touchdowns, three interceptions. How close is he, uh, his arm strength, the the things that I guess everybody's looking for to his old self? I don't see much difference in his his arm strength from where it was. I don't. Uh, I, I see that he's late. On his on his release, he's taken an extra hop. One of the things I noticed looking at his tape today, um, whereas in 2016, he was more of a get to his drop, plant, power forward, and and let the ball go, uh, especially on timing routes. Now you're seeing him get to his drop, a little bit of a hop, a hop, and then release. And that just little bit of time right there is making his depth of his pass when he's throwing deep uh, which is very little, but when he is throwing deep, it's making, you know, he's underthrowing these receivers. I also, I mean, and, and another thing uh, about this, Andrew Luck has always been an excessive touch quarterback. When he throws from <laughs> opposite hash to boundary, he is still throwing with touch. He is not, you know, a loose cannon here trying to tear somebody's arms off their, uh, off their shoulders. That's never been his game. So I think people are misremembering what they've seen in the past from Andrew Luck because he has constantly and consistently been a guy who uses touch even when he doesn't need to. And some of it is uh, a cause for concern. When you, If you think back to uh, the Chiefs-Colts big playoff game there where the Colts were down like, what, 30 to 10 or something uh, or whatever it was, and the Colts ended up coming back, one of Luck's interceptions right out of the gate in the second half was exactly that. An eight-yard out, a touch throw, was pick six written all over it. No chance for the receiver to get it because the ball floated there. That was long before his injury. This is not something that we haven't seen from Andrew Luck. It's the way he throws the ball, and it's always aggravated me. That's how I know that it's always happened because it's one of the biggest things that's always aggravated me about. (laughs) When he comes across the middle pass, I want him to take that guy's chest and, and just put a dent in it. I want these guys – look, if you're an NFL receiver, you better be able to catch an NFL quarterback, plain and simple. Quit treating these guys like they're 14-year-olds and you're trying to take it easy on them. These guys need to be uh, held accountable for catching passes. Andrew Luck needs to be accountable for getting it to them on time and, and before the defense can react to it. Those are two things I think that need to change personally, uh, but – you know, who am I? I'm not, I'm just the guy that runs my mouth about him. I'm not the guy that actually is in the, in the quarterback room with him telling him about his, his chemistry with the receivers and, and some of his, uh, you know, footwork and stuff like that. But those are obvious things that I notice. And those are things in my opinion that are absolutely having an effect on what he's done this year. 
Uh, I just want to get your uh, analysis on this uh, situation. You know, you've got a new general manager. You know, he's been in there for a couple of seasons now. He's not so new now. But what's your approval rating, you know, if you could give a percentage as far as what he's done so far and what draft picks from this year have really stood out for you? I'm very, very close to like a 90% mark somewhere around there as far as approval because – 99% or 90%, I'll just go ahead and use that number again, of what Chris Ballard says, if not more, is what happens. You know, he doesn't BS around. He doesn't play games with people. If he, if he open, he doesn't talk a lot, but when he does talk, he doesn't lie. And that's something that we haven't been accustomed to with the previous regime. It was all BS. It was all, you know, coach speak. It was all this and that just basically pull the wool over your eyes and make you think something else. Whereas now I feel like we're actually, when we do get some conversation from the GM, we're getting the real deal. We're getting his real thoughts, his real feelings, and this is how it's going to be. He's told us a lot of times, you know, he isn't going to pay high uh, price for mid-tier guys, and he's not doing that. He's not going to go out and just rape the, uh, you know, the free agency market when the team's not one or two guys away from being a legitimate Super Bowl contender, and he hasn't done that either. You know, there are things like that. He says he's doing it. There's there's prime examples where you can say, go out and get this guy. He could be an upgrade. He might, but Bauer doesn't feel that he's enough of an upgrade to go out and waste the money uh, versus a guy who might be 2 to $3 million cheaper and give you every bit the same uh, you know production. I, I really like his mindset as far as draft I I like that you know the last year's draft was really impressive to me even though it hasn't been you know full fruition quite yet Malik Hooker Quincy Wilson love both of those guys coming out obviously I was a very big fan of Terrell Basham he's not lived up to that uh third round grade so far uh you know Marlon Mack another guy I had high hopes for him. He's got a lot to learn still. He's still progressing, got to get better. But Grover Stewart, a fourth-round pick, Nate Hairston, a fifth-round, and Anthony Walker, a fifth-round pick, Those two of those guys are starters, and the other one is very heavily in the rotation right now. Everybody except Zach Banner is still on this roster, and that tells you – I mean, it's only a year since that draft pick, that draft class, but that draft class has a ton of potential. When you look at this year's, I mean – I'm never going to argue with somebody that tells me we're going to get the most dominant guard in a long time and help protect Andrew Luck, please. I mean, have okay, everybody's seen what the Indianapolis Colts front line has done in the past several years. Darius Leonard looks like a superstar right now. Also, Braden Smith is a guy who's definitely an athletic offensive lineman that can get out and, and do what they want to do on the perimeter. They want guys who can pull and who can and, and block and, and run with the running backs and make blocks downfield. Braden Smith is that guy. He's just not totally there yet. Uh, Kamoko Ture, similar, uh, dedicated pass rusher, but this guy is not where he needs to be yet, but he's getting a ton of snaps right now. And he's going to learn, uh, you know, trial by fire, most definitely. Uh, you know, Taekwon Lewis, we don't know really what he can be. We can go off of his college tape, but he's IR. Naheem Hines is okay right now. He's definitely a gadget type guy. Um, you know, Jordan Wilkins is a guy that's come out and looked pretty solid, but he's had some bad moments as well. And then you got Deion Kane, who was looking like a superstar wide receiver, and he goes IR in training camp. Matthew Adams and Zaire Franklin are both on this roster uh, as seventh round linebacking picks, and they're doing really well, I think. 
They've all all these guys except Tyquan Lewis, who's IR, Darius Fountain, who's on the practice squad, and Deion Kane, who's on IR, have all played in all three games this year for the Colts, except Braden Smith. I guess he's only played in two. But they're they're getting a lot of production from these guys. So it, it to me, that's success. And they look like they're guys who can progress and continue to get better. I think Darius Leonard right now is the best pick out of both classes. At least he looks to be right now between that entire group. Your pass rush uh, hasn't been as strong as it has been in uh, past years, but you know a lot of guys have been able to get to Deshaun Watson as of late. Out of the guys that you have right now, who do you think it's going to likely be? Is it going to be Jabal Sheard? Uh, he usually does uh, whenever he plays us, but uh, who are your top pass rushers right now? Sheard's doing a good job. He's a guy, He, you know, He's dedicated as a as a as an edge rusher for the most part, but he th- this defensive line slants a ton and they slant hard. So I mean, they are not a group that is like you're not seeing two defensive tackles taking on the guards and the two defensive ends always on the edge. You're seeing the defensive tackles come around the edge. They twist a lot. They move. They slant. They're very active up front. Jabal Sheard's a guy who can beat you with power and with speed, and he's solid with his pass rush moves. He's definitely a guy who's keeping this boat afloat, if you will, along the front line as far as the pass rush. Uh, they, they've sent, you know, the, the last two or last game, they sent Quentin, or not Quentin Nelson, I'm sorry, Darius Leonard. They sent him twice in the second half, uh, and he got two sacks in, on, you know, a, a sack per each time he was sent. And you'd just like to see. The, the work that Matt Everflus is doing with the defense to give different looks, to keep offensive lines and running backs on their toes. He's definitely a guy who's a little more creative than what we've seen. And I think that when you look at the four-man front here, you expect to see a fifth guy rushing occasionally. They're rushing only four guys a lot right now, but they've got uh, a group that they're trying to platoon this defensive line to where they've got a little mix of speed with Teray, a guy who can kind of do it all with Sheard, but they've got Al Woods, who's a guy who can also stop the run, and they've also got, you know, like I said, uh, uh, Grover Stewart's getting a lot of snaps up front, and they've got Marcus Hunt, who's really doing the work, and he's he's been successful as a defensive tackle and as a defensive end uh, this year for the Colts. He's lined up in both spots. He's got sacks in both spots, and both of them are from coming off the edge, twists or whatever, uh, you just I like to see that they've got a group that can complete the pass rush if it, 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 and continue to at least get pressure on the quarterback and and they've they've got a lot of tackles for loss so they're affecting the running backs as well. If I have to give one, I'm just gonna say Jabal Sheard because I think he's the most adept. He's the most skilled when you're looking at hand usage and so on and so forth. Uh, the rest of it to me is just the group. The group is is really working well and have a nice chemistry built so far and you get an occasional outside rush here from a linebacker whether it be Anthony Walker occasionally which is very rare but it's happened Darius Leonard like I said he's got three sacks on the year right now and he's the will linebacker so you like to see that but Kamoko Ture's almost got he's got two sacks with sack and a half so you like to see these guys being able to participate in it and be able to be productive but all in all, honestly, it is the group walk, working off of each other. And that's what I think 
to me, that's more important. I want to see the chemistry built instead of one guy kind of holding the ship down. Hold that thought on the uh, on the pass rushers for a second because I got something for you on that. But quick reminder first to everybody listening, if you're enjoying Locked On Texans, tell your friends, support us by sharing our show links with your social media followers and take a few seconds and rate us on iTunes. We'd appreciate it. We want you to be part of the conversation. So email LockedOnTexans at mail.com. Uh, you don't want to just watch the Texans from home, kids. You, when you can go to NRG Stadium in person, thanks to Vivid Seats, they offer great prices for NFL games and all live events. And our listeners receive $20 off orders of $200 or more if you're a first-time customer. Just use our exclusive promo code LOCKEDON. That's LOCKEDON, all one word. All Vivid Seats confirmed orders are backed by a 100% guarantee. VividSeats.com is the place to go or download the app and enter promo code LOCKEDON for $20 off your orders of $200 or more for new customers. It's a great way to save the next time you go to a game and Vivid Seats wants to help you get to the game. All right, Matt, you were just talking about what that defense can do up front. Uh, what can they do on the edge? Because the Texans' offensive tackle situation is a catastrophe. And also, uh, to that extent, I want to ask you, you guys have some offensive tackle problems. Tell people what's going on with the, with those guys. I'll start with them. Uh, looking at the Colts' offensive line right now, they, they you know, obviously Anthony Costanzo, the guy who's been most durable and, and reliable tackle for the Colts since he's been drafted, you know, he's been out the first two, three games. So you see that they have what the Raven Clark that's been sitting in there and he's done. Okay. He's not done great. Um, but it's making a difference. It, it's, it's, it's having an effect that Costanzo's not in there, but you know, look at the right side and they, man, they've gone, <laughs> they've literally had a turnstile going through that right tackle spot. But the past two games, it's been Joe Haig. He goes down Denzel good, who a guy who was injured most of the preseason and uh training camp. He's in there now at right tackle. So they finally got him back and healthy. And now he's the guy who's at right tackle. So it's it, look, I'm, I, I'd be lying to you if I told you that I had a ton of faith in these tackles on either side, but I will say that they've got a semblance of solid in them. And they're, they're kind of conveying that right now. And that's where I kind of get not excited by any stretch, but I get, um, you know, a little melancholy, if you will, <laughs> because you see that these guys have the ability. Uh, they're just not going to snuff, you know, any top edge rushers. And that's the thing. If you get them in a one-on-one situation with even probably a good pass rusher, uh, they're going to get beat uh, a handful of times in a game. And that's and that's not what they want. The Colts, with the way that their offensive system is designed and the way that they've kind of forced themselves to use Jack Doyle now, uh, they, they, they kind of have to have him as that little bit of a security blanket there uh, on the end of the line. They'll line him up close. They'll pull him in motion. They'll run him you know, from one side to the other. They have Ryan Hewitt, who's more of an H-back type guy. And they're using these guys as chip blocks or to assist in the tackles and, and kind of allow the guards and tackles to kind of just remain in their lanes on their pass sets and not have to really stretch when these, you know, these these athletic and speedy edge rushers kind of try to tear the edge off of them, you know. So they, they really are uh, trying to help them out. But you just can only do that so often without taking a weapon away from the passing game. And that's really where you get what's the what's the balance? What's the give and take there? 
between those guys. So they're a group that's going to be, you know, uh, a group that can be picked on, you know, for, you know, the Texans will be able to do that against the Colts this Sunday. And it just, you just hope uh, from a Colts fan perspective, you just hope that they can be good for three seconds. Can they hold them up for three seconds? The ball should be gone. Lux throwing the ball in two and a half seconds on average all year. So you want to see that and maybe allow him to get that two and 2.75 seconds so that the ball can travel down the field a little bit more and eat up some more yardage. But really that tackle spots, uh, you know, kind of a scary deal as far as the Colts edge rushers and what they, you know, the Colts have to be able to design something to, to take off of the Texans tackle situation. Uh, they, they've pulled in a couple of new guys, which is kind of interesting. Jihad Ward, he's a defensive tackle, but he's proven that he can get on the edge. And like I said, they're being very versatile with these guys up front. They're, I mean, they're slanting left, they're slanting right, they're twisting. And this is all very, a lot. They're doing it a lot. This is not a base stack front. This is not a front that is, is, is just running up the gaps. They're, they're very much trying to use these guys in as many possible ways as they can. Just straight edge rushers, Kamoko Ture is a guy that you're constantly going to get the upfield burst out of. He's a guy who isn't big, and he's not built like you know a Jabal Sheard. He's a 250-pound guy, but he's tall and lanky. He's, he's explosive. He's a guy who can really kind of mess things up for you, but you can also bait him because he's a rookie and he's not really that adept to what's going on uh, in the run game. Uh, Jabal Sheard, on the other hand, is a very versatile guy, can do both. He's a little heavier, so you're not going to get over on him power-wise, power but you also are, are going up against what I would consider a pretty solid technician when you look at pass rush. The guy's got good hands. He's fast. Uh, he's in, in, Like I said, he's got that power. Well, he will try to take the inside lane on a tackle and really try to get a quick snap on the quarterback and at least try to affect the pass. Uh, like I said, Jihad Ward, Marcus Hunt, he's been really good. Marcus Hunt has been really good off the edge. This is, it's, it's surprising. I hope that you can tell that in my voice because it is surprising. He's been good, and he is just a massive dude. It's almost 300 pounds and 6'8", and he is faster and more explosive than a lot of guys that are three, four inches smaller than him and are you know 30 pounds lighter than him. He is definitely a guy who's kind of debunking everything that has been said about him in his past right now, and I'd love to see him continue to do that. Outside of that, it's really honestly a platoon and design formation in order for these guys to get a consistent edge rush, and it's really going to come from the interior. The Colts really want to focus on interior pass rush, and they're doing a little bit of everything in order to get that done. But off the edge, you're going to get a very a very similar approach between Sheard and Ture each and every week. It sounds like we got four kind of poor tackles going up against uh, two quarterbacks that like to hold on to the ball a long time. So it should be uh, fun, fun to see the quarterbacks get pinballed around in this game maybe a little bit. I'm <laughs> Man, afraid. Uh, that would be some bad AFC South football if we see those two go down. Oh, my God. Who do you got winning this one? I, I'm going to go with the Colts, but it, it's very, it's by the slimmest of margins. Uh, they're at home. The Texans haven't done well against the, the Colts at home. And I, I think that you're looking at a field goal, four points, um, just to be safe, because I, we know what Deshaun Watson can do. We know that the Texans have the ability to play much better than what they have the first three games. Uh, what their issues are, I don't know, because I haven't been able to watch them as closely this year so far. But I I, I I have to give it to the Colts at home just because 
I just feel that there is not a lot of room to screw up this one uh, at home against a team that's 0-3 right now. That in itself would probably light the fan base on fire. And I think that more in general, I think that the Colts are legitimately the better team right now. And it's not by much, but they are. And I think that they've definitely got the youth on their side with the athleticism and the ability to create some havoc. Sounds good. Uh, You're at Stampede Blue, SB Nation. Uh, If people want to follow what's going on with you and listen to Matt with the Colts cast, right? Yep. Sounds good, man. Thanks so much for joining us. This was fun. Absolutely. Thank you guys for having me, man. Good to be back on. Long time, no talk, but we'll do it again soon. Sounds good, Matt. Absolutely. Thanks so much. And uh, look for Brian's work. You know where to go, houseofhouston.com. Look for my stuff on Houston Sports Talk, the podcast. That's all we got for this one. Thanks for making us a part of your week. You are Locked On Texans, your daily Houston Texans podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Oh, 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 oh,